Hi everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of Case Study. I am so happy that you've all tuned in today. I'm really new at this uh, and I'm here with a guest who I know is new at this too. So just bear with us. It's also Friday the 13th, which I just found out. So maybe not the best omen, but just bear with us and hopefully you guys can get some good information out of this. Today we are going to be talking about scoliosis and I have a very special guest with me from the M2 class. His name is Sam Van Buskirk. Sam, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, hey, my name is Sam Van Buskirk, as Maggie said. I'm an M2. I went to L for undergrad, grew up in Danville, Kentucky, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. I didn't know you were from Danville. I went to Center. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess to start off, I'll just give you guys kind of an introduction to what scoliosis is. I know it's not something you focus on a ton in the M1 curriculum, so I'll just do a little brief introduction. Scoliosis literally means crookedness in Greek, so it's a condition of three-dimensional spine curvature. The vertebral column naturally curves in the sagittal plane, um, so that helps to position the head over the pelvis and absorb the shock of our movements. At birth, the thoracic and sacral curves already exist, and so those are called our primary curvatures. And then as we begin to lift our heads, we develop a cervical curvature, and then when we begin to walk, that's when the lumbar curvature develops. So both of those are secondary curvatures. Of course, we can have issues in that plane, like kyphosis, which is an exaggeration of the thoracic curvature, or lordosis of the lumbar curve, sometimes called sway back. Typically, these are the only spinal curves that develop. However, in the case of scoliosis, curvatures develop in the coronal plane. And you guys know coronal, you just picture a crown or a headband on your head and you can kind of picture the vertebral column going um, side to side in the lateral plane. So the last typical curvature that should develop is that lumbar curve when the child begins walking, which can be anywhere from eight to 18 months. So Sam, when were you diagnosed with scoliosis? I was diagnosed, I believe I was 16 when I was diagnosed. Okay, so definitely a lot older than 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that totally makes sense because scoliosis is most commonly diagnosed in children between 10 and 15 years old. Of course, there is a congenital form of scoliosis that exists and that you guys have learned about in class um, that's typically diagnosed much younger, even at birth. And it's mo- in most cases, that's due to something called a hemivertebrae. There's also a form of scoliosis that is developed much later in life as the spine weakens and um, is diagnosed in adults, so that's called degenerative scoliosis. There are a couple other forms as well. One of them is neuromuscular, and one is postural scoliosis, and those just come from kind of outside factors. But mostly, we get this thing called idiopathic scoliosis. Almost 80% of cases are idiopathic, and these are diagnosed between 10 and 15 because... Um, they're caught by screening tests on adolescents. Um, do you remember, Sam, when you received your diagnosis? Um, yes. I. It was actually incidental. It wasn't a screening. Um, all the screenings had finished for us by the time I was uh, into high school. So uh, I was bending over to pick something up, and a friend of mine... Uh, you know, he, he just said, where's your spine? <laughs> Bent <laughs> over. So, uh, and he went over to feel my back and he was feeling along that uh, median furrow, uh-huh. and, you know, and I 
and he didn't feel anything. And so he was like, what's going on? And I had no idea, so I was freaking out. And then, um, and then I, I went to my dad, who's a physician, and he suspected scoliosis. And then I went and received a proper diagnosis. So. Okay. Wow. I can't believe it was just your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had no idea. I had no, you know, symptoms. I had at the time there was really nothing I could pinpoint that made me think that was going on. So. Yeah. Interesting. I was gonna ask. So you had no like. No back pain, nothing like that? So, I, get, I, I misspoke. I did, but I didn't think it, there was anything wrong with my back. Okay. I, but I, I didn't know. I just thought I was getting tired and things like that. For um, I didn't think there was actually, you know, uh, something wrong with my spine. So Okay. So, you went to the doctor. Did you go to, like, an orthopedic doctor? Um, first, I saw a radiologist, and they took... Um, and they did an MRI and just to kind of see what was going on. And then I saw, um, then I saw a, a uh, neurologist that actually uh, made sure that everything was okay. So that was where I first knew I had scoliosis. And then the visit with the neurologist was just to look at um, possible treatments and things we can do for it. Okay. So. so do you know what signs your doctor was looking for in his exam? I know they do a test called an Adams test, but do you know what of those signs applied to you? Yeah. So um, my friend noticed some of these as well when he was looking at the lack of the spine mm-hmm. <laughs> in the middle of my back. But uh, they looked for uneven shoulders. Um, they looked for, I literally looked for my spine just in somewhere other than the middle of my back. Mm-hmm. Um, uneven rib cage, um, uneven hips. I, I think in my case, what they found was um, uneven shoulders. My right shoulder protrudes out uh, more than my left. Um, same with my rib cage. Uh, it posteriorly uh, protrudes on my right side. It's you're looking like top down from my head my rib cage is rotated a little bit clockwise so um, so you can kind of see my ribs poking out there and my spine if uh, if I have my shirt off and I'm bent over um, or if you just feel my back you, you can feel my spine under my shoulder and then um, if you go down to the lumbar it's off to the left on that side so okay. um, so you can uh, so in during that um, during that Adams test, they they found all of those, and um, that that okay. all contributed. You pretty to my much diagnosis. checked all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was reading about that um, one shoulder blade that appears more prominent than the other, and it just totally reminded me of last year when we were learning about winged scapula. Because oh, I yeah. think they still call it winged sta- scapula even mm-hmm. when it's just due to scoliosis. Because oh, in I your case, okay. I'm sure it's just. Or they say it's just because the ribs are actually pushing against the scapula, right. so it can't lay flat. Right. And it's not that everybody's favorite long thoracic nerve <laughs> issue. Right. <laughs> okay. So when you got the diagnosis, the, did they tell you, did they give you, like, your ranking? What? How many degrees they of curvature? Um, so my, I am considered moderate, but I'm borderline severe. So it's uh, thoracic was 39 degrees, and then lumbar was 25 so it okay. was, uh, yeah. I think the cutoff was like 40 degrees was severe, at least at the time. Okay. I don't know if that's still true. but Yeah. From my research, anything over 10 degrees is considered scoliosis. Between 10 and 30 degrees is mild with recommended monitoring. Between 30 and 50 degrees would be moderate 
and that would be treated with possible bracing. And then 50 degrees and above would be treated with spinal fusion surgery. So did you have to do any treatment? So unfortunately, by the time I was diagnosed, it was so late that my growth plates had fused. So by that point, a brace wouldn't really do anything. Okay. So the only thing they recommended was the surgery to have a metal rod installed in your back, which I, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted that. The doctor said that um, recovery would take you know, years. So I, I was towards the end of high school, so I thought, yeah, he said you'd probably have to, to stay out of, you know, college for at least a year or two while oh, wow. you're recovering. So my my symptoms, while I did have them, weren't severe enough to where I thought that the surgery would pay off. And that's what the physician I saw um, said as well, that, you know, with that surgery come all, comes all these complications and um, pain from that surgery. So um, management of your current symptoms is usually better unless there's something you know, drastically wrong. And in my case, it was just more of occasional pain and twinges, so. Okay, so let's get into your symptoms a little bit. Mm -hmm. You say occasional pain and twinges. Is that mm -hmm. just isolated to your back? Like you said, you have a thoracic and a lumbar curvature, right? So yes. all up and down your back, you had some pain? So it's weird. It's, um, it's kind of localized to my lumbar region, lower back. Um, excuse me, even though the thoracic does have even though my thoracic spine does have curve um it doesn't i don't really feel it as much in that area um i only feel it when i'm on my feet for a long period of time or if i'm sitting um you know with actually good posture <laughs> like using those muscles i feel it then um and it's usually pretty mild pain it's like you know on a scale of 10 it's like maybe two or three but if it gets, if, if I'm on my feet for a very long time, it gets very bad very quickly. So, okay. um, you know, in those cases, it can go up to like an eight or a nine and wow. I need to like sit or lay down or else <laughs> it just, it just becomes hard to walk or stand. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty self-limiting. Was there anything that your doctor recommended you cut out of your life? Did he say like, don't play sports or anything? He didn't cut anything out. For the most part, he just said, find any way to manage the pain that you can. And usually that was just typical ibuprofen, you know, and said, <laughs> that was really it. And for the most part, that does work for me. Um, but other than that, he said I could play sports or, um, you know, remain active just to watch my, watch my pain, you know, and okay. uh, just kind of uh, respond to that as I needed to. Yeah. Okay, well, that seems like good news, at least. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just make your own decisions right. as far as that goes. Do you have any examples of when that pain got to that, like, eight or nine level? Um, there was a time when I was in marching band, and this was in high school, and I think it was around the time of my diagnosis. It may have been a little before then, so I, I don't think I knew why it was happening, but... Um, we had a very long competition day, so we went out at like 7 in the morning. We had to give two performances, and on days where you have to give two performances at a competition, you're on your feet all day. You're just walking around um, from one place to the next, and you're performing, then you're warming up, then you're changing, you know, you're doing all this stuff. And right before we went out for our final performance, um, we're all in a line getting ready to go to the field. And 
a gap form between me and the person in front of me. And if you're in band, you, you don't want any gaps between the lines. So I wanted to run to make sure I got there in time and, you know, I didn't look bad. Um, and when you're, in, when you're in that uniform and you're carrying your instrument, you can't run like a typical runner, you know, with like you're moving <laughs> your arms and everything. So I did, if anybody's a, a dancer, they'll, they'll know what this is, but like I, I did a jazz run. So I ran forward on my toes and when you do that, you stop your momentum and your weight um, with with your legs. So you you completely stop, and um, so you're not like moving around, and your upper body's pretty stable. So um, I did that, and as soon as I hit the first when I when I made my first step in that run, just unbelievable pain shot up my back um i i've never felt pain that is the worst pain i've felt in my life i don't know i i don't know why i didn't feel i really didn't feel any pain before then just kind of tightness in my back but Mm -hmm. i think that shock of just my weight going up my leg and that just that that just aggravated it and uh, I, had to, I had to, like, stop myself from screaming because you can't make a scene. You're, you're, you're about to go on. Everybody's getting very serious. And right. another band was performing. So if you make noise like that, then it's very disrespectful. So I was, like, trying to, like, keep my mouth closed. And uh, my friend behind me, Josh, came up and uh, he, he kept asking, like, what's wrong? Like, what's Because he saw me kind of, like, you know, I guess I was, like, hunching over doing something mm-hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't say anything because I was gonna yell <laughs> if oh I my opened gosh. my mouth so I just uh I think I ended up laying down somewhere for a little bit and then I went and performed and then I was fine but um I don't know that just for whatever reason me running like that that just really aggravated it yeah <laughs> wow that sounds horrible and it's sad because we were just talking about before we started recording how some people with scoliosis really have like no symptoms no back pain nothing like that um so that's unlucky and really bad timing of course yeah on competition day of course yeah (laughs) right before you perform yeah that's (laughs) yeah yeah. it can't be good for breath control right any of that i mean (laughs) the nice thing is that I don't really have, that's not very common that that happens. For the most part, it really is just kind of low-grade pain that I feel. And if I go home and lay down, you know, take some, like, a leave or something, I'm fine. Yeah. So it's really, it's usually never that bad, but um, I just have to watch out for it. Right. So I was kind of operating under the assumption that you have idiopathic scoliosis. Like I said, 80% of cases of scoliosis are idiopathic, which just means there's no known cause or no direct cause that um, the doctor can find. There are, of course, some risk factors, not many that everyone can agree on, but definitely females are more at risk than males, and then there are some genetic components. Um, So... Do you have any insight into the cause of your scoliosis? So it was, it, mine is idiopathic. Um, they didn't list any causes on my diagnosis. Um, my only thought is that when I was in high school, um, especially towards the beginning, uh, I did not use a locker. I just carried a big backpack, and that thing was like 40 pounds. So <laughs> I carried that around with me, uh, which was not a good idea. I don't, 
I'm not going to say that caused <laughs> it, but that's the only thing I could think of as to what would be putting that much strain on my spine. But other than that, I, the only other thing is that I um, I was in marching band all four years of high school, mm-hmm. and I played um, Don't saxophone. say tuba. No, I okay. did not play tuba. <laughs> uh, I, I played saxophone, which you you carry that on a, on a um, neck strap, so all of the weight is on your neck. But it's more of just your neck, and I didn't really have any curvature to my cervical spine so i i'm really not sure <laughs> just okay. as stumped as the doctors were yeah i did read actually about children that carried like heavy like satchels like mm-hmm. things that more kind of compressed one side of the body and that kind of had to do with the postural yeah um scoliosis so maybe your backpack was <laughs> your problem okay sam thank you for sharing your story and letting everybody hear kind of what it's like to have scoliosis, what is, what being diagnosed kind of looks like, uh, and how it affects your day-to-day life. I think for such a common problem, scoliosis is something that, it's a word we hear all the time, but it's not really something um, we look a lot into. I know I learned a lot today, so hopefully our listeners did too. Um, scoliosis actually does affect two to three percent of the population, which in the United States would translate to about six to nine million people. So pretty much all of us at some point in our career will definitely run into somebody that has scoliosis. So I think having this background and a little basic knowledge on the subject will definitely come in handy one day. So again, thank you so much. Um, If you guys have any questions for me or for Sam, please feel free to ask them. I have a little Instagram for this podcast. It's called at case study the podcast. Uh, I'll also be posting a little bit of bonus content on there. Um, with Sam, we're going to have his MRI up there so you guys can look at that and to see for yourself what scoliosis looks like um, in his case and get to know Sam a little bit better too. So again, thank you so much and have a great day.